0: Friends, grace, peace, and mercy to you from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our rescuer and our redeemer. Now, I'm gonna try to use this fancy system up here and control the, there we go. Does it work? It works. (laughs) Lots of technology to get used to. I bet almost everybody in this room recognizes this movie poster. That is, at least if you were born before the year, I don't know, 1980 or so. Who's seen this movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston playing Moses? Yes, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's one of the best movies ever made. Made with 14,000 actors, thousands of animals. It was made on location in Egypt in 1980. 56, it's been a shining star ever since. And for me, it's left a permanent mark in my head about what the Exodus looks like. And of course, Moses, in my mind, will always look like Charlton Heston. Who can forget these scenes of the burning bush? Remember, remove thy shoes from off thy feet. Still gives me chills. Or the Nile turning blood red. And finally, after the ten plagues, Moses leading these 14,000, really 600,000 or so people out of Egypt. And the parting of the Red Seas and, of course, the fiery finger of God writing the Ten Commandments for his people. You know, when I was a kid, uh, they would play this on TV around Easter week. And I can remember being in my grandfather's living room watching his color TV, his giant 24-inch color TV, and the impression that it made upon me to this day. A little aside story here. I have a good friend who got to attend a wedding in Colorado a few years ago. A wedding of a very wealthy family who had some sort of connection with Charlton Heston. And guess who was there that day in the crowd but Mr. Heston himself? He got to stand up and read scripture. I guess no one knew he was there until he read. My friend said, you could have heard a pin drop. Everyone was wide-eyed, staring at him. And she said when he read, it was as if God or Moses was reading scripture. (laughs) I don't get invited to weddings like that. I don't know. know. The reason I share this memory of the Ten Commandments today is it's because where our scripture reading starts, or at least points to, both our Old Testament reading and our New Testament reading. Old Testament from Deuteronomy and New Testament from Mark. They both reflect on the commandments and the rules that God gave us. Now, we are a church of law, rules, and gospel, right? I'm going to talk a lot about the law today. Don't get hung up on that, because Jesus loves you and forgives you when you can't keep the law. So our Old Testament reading takes place. This is harder than I thought. There we go. Our Old Testament reading takes place at the end of the 40-year period that Moses spent In exile with the Hebrews. His life is about over, and it's time for the people to pass into the promised land, the land that the Lord promised their father Abraham. And Moses is giving his children some final advice. It's here where he tells them to remember the things that they have experienced as well as the rules that the Lord has given you. Remember those ten plagues. Remember the frogs and the Nile turning red. Remember the boils and the fire coming from heaven. Remember the angel of death and the Passover. Don't forget it. Teach it to your children and teach them the rules of God. Moses says, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you might live and go on and take possession of the land that the Lord your God of your fathers has given to you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it. Keep it. Keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command. Moses is telling his people, go, live, prosper, But don't forget where you came from. Follow the rules of the Lord, and you will become a wise nation, a great nation, one that is protected and blessed by God. Now, of course, Moses did not get to pass into the promised land because of a former sin that he committed. But nonetheless, he says to his people be steadfast. And always remember the great I am. It is he who is your creator and your rescuer. The reason I read the Ten Commandments today with our kids is it's something that we should teach them and read with them regularly so they know their meaning. It should be common language in our households. For reading practice this week, I gave my daughter this assignment. Write the Ten Commandments! Oh, Dad! Our Gospel reading takes place some 1400 years later. Jesus is on the scene, the second Moses, the second great rescuer of the people. But this time he's not come to rescue us from an oppressive ruler or from the tyranny of slavery. No, he's come to rescue us from ourselves and the evil from within, our own evil hearts and the malevolence inserted there by Satan and perpetuated by the ways of the world. Now, our gospel reading today is really the part two of the gospel reading from last week where Pastor Clark so sweetly described what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were questioning him about his disciples. Do you remember? He said, they said, your disciples are not washing their hands according to our tradition. What's wrong with you? You're not upholding what our fathers put into place. And to this, Jesus says, you, co- you confuse what is important. You confuse the laws of God with the tradition of of man. And so our gospel reading picks up. It's the part two. It's the second paragraph. Here, Jesus tells them that, and he uses a parable. He uses a, um, uh, an analogy to talk to them. And he says, you know, it's not what goes into a man that makes him sinful. It's what comes out of him. For example, it's not the food you eat that makes you sinful, but it's your own heart and the words that you speak and the actions that you do that imply your sin. Jesus says, whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. And he said, From within the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. To be defiled is to be unclean. But not with dirt, with sin. It's what separates us from our Father in heaven. It's what keeps us chained to the earth and to death. We are indeed saint and sinner. I see one every morning when I look in the mirror. We are all filled with selfish desire. We all love ourselves more than our neighbors. We all honor something other than God. Back to the Old Testament, when God was leading the Hebrews through the desert, he was not only leading them to freedom and new surroundings where they could flourish and succeed— He was leading them to a new way of life, a new way of thinking. I've been leading a Bible study in the old sanctuary for the last couple of weeks. and We've been talking about this very thing, about why didn't God just take them straight from Egypt and walk over to the promised land and plug them in? It would have taken about two or three weeks. Yet these wanderings in the desert took place for many years. And the simple answer is, he did it to shake the dust of Egypt out of these people. You can take the people out of Egypt, but you can't always take Egypt out of the people. You see, for 430 years, this people had lived as slaves, dependent upon their masters for food, for housing. They had gotten used to the foods there, the way of life there. The gods that were there. And in the desert, they learned to be dependent upon Yahweh, the God, the Creator God. He provided for them. There's nothing in the desert for them. No food, no water, no way of raising a crop. He sent them manna from heaven and water from springs and rocks to sustain them that they might become dependent upon him. And yes, he gave them the Ten Commandments And many other rules to help them form a new society, a society different than the tribes around them. He created a unique people, a different people. If you read the old St. James, it says, a peculiar people. They ate differently. He said, don't eat horse meat or pigs or certain insects. Or creatures from the sea without scales. Don't eat certain birds or bats or reptiles. Things that were plentiful that they could have eaten, that people around them ate. But no, they were dependent upon what God provided for them. They talked differently. They worshipped differently. They dressed differently. They were a peculiar people with one purpose. To form a kingdom that many years later would produce another rescuer, God's own Son, Jesus Christ. So during this time is when the rabbis, the priests, the holy people began to create traditions and rules to help people conform to God's commandments. 613 rules that they lived by. You might call it their doctrine. It was a fence that helped people live according to God's word. And it was these traditions that oftentimes became more important than God's word. This is what the Pharisees were talking about. Your guys aren't washing their hands correctly by the tradition of our fathers and Jesus says friends you confuse what is important with God's word tradition tradition I found this little funny on the internet tradition is pure people from uh, is tradition is peer pressure from dead people How easy it is for us men and women to let tradition and routine become more important than what is really important, to become distracted and to think this is the way we must do it. And friends, that really is poignant sometimes when churches are changing pastors. You reflect on the way we've always done it. Which really means the way I like to do it, or the way that I did it in my home church when I was a youth. I'm sure you've heard this joke. How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Change a light bulb? Why would we change a light bulb? That light bulb has been out for 13 years. We don't need that much light in here anyway. Matter of fact, my grandfather installed that light bulb. There's no reason... To change it. Be careful that you don't defend tradition more so than what is really important, proclaiming the gospel, offering means of grace through baptism and absolution and Holy Communion and providing a mission in this community and, yes, around the world. You know, much of the Pharisees' concern was about how the disciples acted on the outside, following these rules of tradition that their fathers had created. To which Jesus said, you leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. I remember as a young boy sitting in church, by the way, this is not a picture of me as a young boy. This is a saintly young man I found on the internet. You know how hard it is to find pictures of saintly young men on the internet? I can remember sitting in the congregation with my brother and more than once my mother leaned over and said, behave yourself while you are in church. What she really meant, please be an angel for the next hour and act like a heathen when you're outside. But then like any good Lutheran mother, she got a little twist on it and she said, what would all these people think about you misbehaving? Can you still hear your mother's voice in your ear? I can. (laughs) Parents, if you ever think you're not getting through You are. But I think this behavior describes all of us. In public, we act a certain way. In church, we act a certain way. But just beneath the surface, as Jesus said, we all struggle with sin, evil thoughts, lust, covetousness judgmentalness, deceit. For what lies in the hearts of man is indeed what keeps us bound to earth, chained to death. We are dirty, defiled through and through. Isaiah was right. We are but filthy rags before the Lord. You know, as much as I tried to sit still in church, I usually wiggled and got into trouble more than once. My mother walked my brother and I, who was really usually the culprit, culprit, walked us to the back in the north X and said, "You behave yourself." Or we got it even worse when we got home. <laughs> I guess we're all in that same boat. We're all defiled. And sometimes what's just below the surface bubbles up and boils over and our true selves come out. The Hebrews were blessed by God to have their prophet Moses. God said, Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, my children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses became their prophet, their priest, their guide, their example. And he set them free in the land promised to their father. And that people did indeed raise up many generations the Messiah. And God gave us our rescuer, Jesus, the one who came to fight for us, to speak God's word to us. To tell us about his everlasting kingdom. The one who offered himself up so that our sinfulness, our defiled hearts are washed clean in baptism. Whitewashed by his righteousness so that we can enter that holy place. It's him we follow, not the tradition of man. It's him we seek to speak of, to pray to, to act like as his followers. It's him we seek to obey. Through him and his mercy, our true selves are emptied and filled with his truth. Amen. We pray, Lord God, wash me, make me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I might walk in your ways. Empty that which defiles my heart so that your truth, your righteousness is my substance. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, dear Lord, my rock and my Savior. Amen. Friends, please rise as we continue by confessing our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed.